Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham, your guide to the New York Jets sports and much more. And now, your host, Dan Burnham. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of This is the Jet Life. Today's episode number 119, coming after a New York Jets victory yet again, four in a row, this week beating the Denver Broncos 16-9 in Denver. What a win. It was bittersweet due to some pretty horrible, devastating injuries towards the offense specifically. The Jets are going to have to work through that. They've already made a couple moves to try to mitigate it a little bit, but super depressing on that front. On the other side, the whole goal of this thing is to win games, and they're winning them right now. 5-2, and two, Zach Wilson 4-0, Jets undefeated on the road. There's a lot of good stuff going on, and they're currently firmly in that playoff picture. If they can just string together a few more wins, get some in the second half of the year. There's a lot of reasons to be excited right now. So we are going to get into things business as usual. I'm here joined with Paycheck. Got a video podcast coming today. Welcome back, thank Paycheck. Thank you. Thank you. A lot, of, a lot of flags, a lot of injuries, a sad victory Monday, but... Five and two. Five and two feels good. And like you said, six and two, that'll feel even better. Yeah. Six and two will feel awesome. Beating the Patriots will be like, a, I don't know if it's like this big crowning achievement. I know it seems kind of lame because they're a three and four team. And like, how are we still so spurned by them after all this time? We should just get over it. But like, haven't. I still need to beat them. Maybe beat them twice. And yesterday, Monday sucked for sure. And like the whole first half of the day. But then, you know, the Brees Hall news came and it was like, Damn it, I knew it. That sucks. Then the AVT news comes, and you're like, that is the next worst thing that could possibly happen on the offense. And then uh, it got a little bit better when they made the move for James Robinson, and then even better when the Patriots looked so abysmal on Monday Night Football in front of everybody against the Chicago Bears of all teams in Foxborough. So some positive things that are getting me a little bit better recording today than I was on Monday. So before we get into everything, the usual stuff, it's going to be uh, – News and nuggets, positives, negatives, and overall, we're going to talk offense, defense, special teams, father time, what's on tap, AFC East check-in, and then a Patriots preview. Not in that order, but relatively close. Before we do, I need to remind you to rate, review, subscribe to this podcast anywhere podcasts are found. It can be found under the Gangrene Nation podcast series title is This is the Jet Life. Also, follow me on YouTube at This is the Jet Life. Starting to do more with Katie over there. She's putting in a lot of hard work to put these videos out. Takes a lot of a lot of hours. We do this recording in like, you know, an hour, hour 30, and then it takes like 10 hours post to make me look and sound normal. So the amount of work and effort that she puts in deserves some thumbs up. Not for me. Well, yeah, nothing negative. Always appreciated. Um, also follow me on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan. And I think that's the big stuff right now. Preach. Criticism is worth more than compliments too. So let us know. Let us well, know what you like. Yeah, nothing negative. Nothing negative. But any any com- any compliments, any uh, criticism, let us know. Always appreciated. Um, also follow me on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan. And... I think that's the big stuff right now. We can get into this thing. I'm going to try to keep the podcast short and brief because I think that the last episode was like almost an hour and 20 minutes long, which might be my longest podcast ever. And I got to try to tone those back a little bit. Maybe going to try to get into that. I've been dreaming of that 45 minute mark, but then 
I ramble and I don't like to take things out. I like to talk about everything. And it's tricky with a once a week podcast, but we're going to do our best to try to maybe breeze through some sections a little bit more than we normally would. We'll see how it goes. Starting with the schedule for the podcast, which is going to be audio only next week following the Patriots game. It's going to be audio only following the Bills game as well. And then I'm not sure what I'm going to do for the bye week. May take a week off. Then the Jets play the Patriots and perhaps doing another video podcast with Paycheck then. Scheduling works well. There's no one I dislike more than the Pats, so I'd be happy. I'd be honored. If they win like 50 to 17 like last time, 54 to 17, whatever it was, then we may just not even do a podcast. We may just shut the podcast down forever yeah. entirely. Exactly. No, but um, news and nuggets around this team right now. We have to start with the worst stuff. Injury to Brees Hall. He's out for the season with an ACL tear and a minor meniscus injury. That sucks. He was playing at a ridiculous level. Um, I'm going to talk about him throughout the podcast, but I honestly think that he was arguably the best running back in the entire NFL this year. And he was like that guy that could get points out of nowhere and could keep this offense afloat when nothing else was working. He was keeping us in games. If you look at him up there, he's clearly leading the offense and offensive player of the games that we've had so far. Spoiler alert, another one coming today. The guy's a freaking rock star, and to lose him right now, it's the worst. They also uh, lost AVT at the same time, torn triceps, so he's out for the year as well, and he was like the other most important person, an offensive lineman that won offensive player of the game, which is hard to do, but when you play left guard, right guard, left tackle, right tackle, and do anything that it takes to get the Jets through the injury woes that they've been dealing on that offensive line and do it at a high level, that stuff can't be... Uh, can't be found anywhere else. It takes four guys to do the job that he was doing because he was playing all those positions. So we'll see how we handle that one. I know that Joe Douglas has kind of built up a, a weak sort of pipeline of guys back there with Mike Remmers, uh, Cedric Ogbui. We got Nate Herbig in the mix. We got potentially Max Mitchell coming back, George Fan. There's some options for sure, but nothing like ABT and no one with that type of, type of flexibility and versatility. Following the Brees Hall injury news, they did make a big trade to get James Robinson, running back of the Jacksonville Jaguars, who's only 24 years old. This is only his third season. The Jets are just trading a conditional sixth-round pick. It's going to become a fifth-round pick because the uh, the kicker from the sixth to the fifth is 600 rushing yards. He's already got 340 or 360 rushing yards this year. So he honestly just needs like 250 yards. I think that's like 26 yards a game if he gets that. And he's going to get it because the guy is kind of a workhorse back that was never used like that in Jacksonville. They, uh, they always seem to like, you know, his rookie year, he went crazy. 1,400 scrimmage yards, 10 touchdowns, 49 receptions, over four yards per carry. He was awesome on a bad Jaguars team, mind you. And then they draft ETN, and they start kind of pushing it towards him this year. Last year, they were working with some other people in the mix. And uh, he hasn't really gotten the fair shake that I think he deserves. And the Jets are bringing him in now to kind of spell Michael Carter. So I think we all love Michael Carter and what he brings to the team, his personality off the field his skill set on the field, being able to run, receive, block. But we know that he's not an every-down back. And if we hand this guy 18 carries a game, he's going to get burnt out, not going to work well. We need to get another guy who can handle a majority of the carries or split them with him, and that's James Robinson. So great to get James Robinson. Very, very minimal trade compensation, in my opinion. Joe Douglas likes to trade those late-round picks for guys that can actually bring value to the team. He's made like 17 trades so far as a Jets GM. You know, he was getting guys like, Demarius Thomas. It was a late round pick, but it was like, you know what? We need some help. Let's bring a guy in. I love that he does that. So we'll see how uh, James Robinson fares. He's going to be wearing number 23 for the New York Jets, potentially ready this weekend. I think he already passed his physical this morning. 
and he's probably already in New York training, practicing. You know, maybe he's not going to be able to learn the entire playbook, but we saw Christian McCaffrey do it in less time with less notice playing for the San Francisco 49ers this week. I think there's no reason to think James Robinson can't take a few carries. But that's a pretty big trade, and that's really exciting for Joe Douglas and uh, keeping the playoff stream alive. Then we had some (laughs) unsettling stuff. We talked about the tweets from Elijah Moore last week and how he was unhappy with with everything. Katie was nice enough to put up the graphics of those tweets, even though he ended up deleting them, and we're like, all right, maybe we're out of this thing. Then we find out the guy requests a trade, tries to get out of New York because of the zero targets that he got, his lower usage specifically since Zach Wilson's come back out of the field and throws basically no passing yards to any wide receiver. So Elijah Moore's unhappy and requests a trade. Joe Douglas, Robert Sala, they all say that they will not be honoring that trade request. Trade deadline's November 1st, so they have one week to basically figure out if they do want to trade him. There are some teams that could use him, but at the end of the day, he's a Jet right now. He's under contract for at least two more years, and what are you going to do, right? I mean, we need playmakers right now after losing Brees Hall. Like, all right, we were a little – it was annoying. Did you see – I don't know who put it out, but it was like Judy for more. That was a trade concept. Jerry Judy? Yeah, how do you feel about that? I don't really think Jerry Judy's all that good. I think, like, he's got some playmaker ability, but he's super inconsistent. Like, for every time I think he does something awesome, I'm just like, it kind of just gets washed away, drops the ball. He's a good player, I guess. Um, I think Elijah Moore is right in that category, though, too. And maybe he's not happy with his usage and stuff, but, like, at the end of the day, like, it's not about you specifically, and this team is winning, and I get that you want the ball, but there's no reason for the Jets to trade you right now. You're inexpensive. You're on a rookie contract. We don't have to trade you. And, like, if you're worried about your targets and your usage and trying to boost your stock and get your stats and get your Pro Bowls and honors and everything like that, it's not going to happen if you're inactive. He was inactive this week for doing this sort of thing. Like, just play, get out there, do the best you can. And if when your rookie contract is over, you don't want to be here, go somewhere else and be great. We were holding you back. That's how it works. So just to hear him complain, especially when we're winning, annoying, but we'll get past it. Um, It looks like he's going to be active against the Patriots, not just because of the Brees Hall injury, but just because I think – Robert Sala says it was just to get his mental head right. But in reality, I think it was kind of like a, a little bit of a punishment, a suspension for him one week. Just say, listen, you're not playing this week. Come back next week, and I'm sure he'll be ready to go. In the last news and nugget, the Jets will be unveiling their stealth black helmets, jerseys, and pants this weekend for the first time. I've been like one of the only people, I feel like, that's been really pissed off with the fact that we wear a white jersey for every single game, especially at home. Like, home team wears green or wears their dark color. That's just like unless you're the Dolphins or the Cowboys historically. That's how it goes. And they've been wearing these white jerseys and black pants. It's like, I don't know. Maybe they're doing it some, uh, I know you're pretty superstitious. Maybe it has something to do with that. Um, I like, I love black. <laughs> so I'm fine with this. I'm definitely fine with this. Uh, yeah. It's the Halloween game too. So it's like big Halloween weekend yeah. stealth black. It's going to be like the nightmare blackout. Could be good. I'm holding my breath. I don't know which game exactly last year. I think it was. They only played the Pats once, right? That was the game that um, he got hurt. Uh, they played him twice last year. Oh, one of those games that got hurt. So I just, uh. he got tackled by a Pat. A lot of bad things happen during Patriots games. Like some of the worst memories of my football experience are against the Patriots. And I don't like to bring them up. I try not to think about them. But it's the reality. Yeah, it's kind of rude, though, that we have to play them in Hall weekend. But, yeah. That's okay. That's all right. We didn't we play last year? I think we played the Bengals on Halloween weekend and we won. So if there's superstitions there, maybe we're good this time of year. Looking forward to it. 
But it's going to be cool, and we'll see if the Jets can win. That was the Mike White game um, when they played the Bengals. I think it was Halloween weekend where, like, a lot of cool stuff happened. So that is the news and nuggets around the Jets right now and what we got going on. Next order of business is to talk positives about this team. And I know it was kind of a depressing Monday, but we're 5-2. and two. There's plenty of positives. Starting with timely offense from the New York Jets. The Jets' offense with Zach Wilson there has been anything but impressive. But when it's at its best, it's either right before the half or it's at the very end of the game, fourth quarter. That's when the Jets are coming alive this year. This week against the Denver Broncos, the Jets scored a field goal with 12 seconds to go in the first half. Then they scored two field goals in the fourth quarter. So nine of their 16 points came, and that's everything outside of the big Brees Hall run. Everything came at the very end of the second quarter or in the fourth quarter. And so when you see the Jets able to do that and scoring their last field goal with five minutes to go in the game, you think to yourself, like, something about this team is just operating a little bit better when the stakes are the highest. They did it against Pittsburgh. They had a great fourth quarter there. And Zach Wilson, yeah, he can look horrible for stretches. First quarter, third quarter, he can look awful. But, like, when it matters the most, that's what's keeping us on this win streak because those points in the fourth quarter, the points right before the half. And so timely offense, if you're going to have minimal offense, timely is the most important and best time to have it. Another good thing is Joe Douglas has proven to us with the James Robinson trade that he is in on this team. He's not treating a 5-2 and two record as a fluke and like, all right, we'll see what happens and roll with the guys that we have and evaluate and see for next year. He's saying, we're in the driver position right now to make the playoffs. We can beat the Patriots. Who knows? Maybe we can beat the Bills. Maybe we can win this division. We're a half game back right now. And to make a trade for James Robinson and just say, like, forget the future. It's a fifth-round pick, a sixth-round pick. They don't turn into a mu- too much to begin with. You know, historically speaking, it's like a 20%, 30% hit rate. But to then get a guy to go in there, not be playing Ty Johnson and Bam Knight for the whole season, to have the depth in case something happens to Michael Carter or James Robinson, and prove to the Jets fans that, like, listen, I know this sucks. I know we lost somebody, but we're bringing in reinforcements, and we're going to make this thing a run. The Jets are going to be in the playoffs this year. He's going to make sure of it. This team is playing well enough to make sure of it. I know we have some hard games coming up, one of the hardest schedules for the remainder of the year, but, like, man, they're ready for it. You don't start this well and have all this lightning in a bottle to then lose it all. I know they lost some players. Brees Hall could be a huge, huge issue, but, like, there's other stuff on this team. You're feeling it, Katie? Are you feeling, like, the electricity around this Jets team this year? Of course. And, I mean, I think we already had. It's the whole the whole schedule has been hard for sure. So I'm not scared for the next half. Yeah. When we looked at it in the beginning of the season, we said first half is ridiculous. The first nine games is a gauntlet, and then it kind of lightens up. I know every year things change, and it's not exactly what we thought it was going to be, but I feel good about uh, where they're at. Another great thing about the Jets is they arguably have the best cornerback duo in the entire NFL. They probably do have the best cornerback duo in the league because Sauce is top five and DJ Reed is top eight. So they have the best cornerback duo in the league. They also have the best cornerback trio in the league because when you throw in Michael Carter as your nickel cornerback, who's right up in that mix too of nickel cornerbacks, it's awesome to see. That's stuff that keeps the Jets in games. They have played out of their minds, specifically this week. We're going to get into them in a little bit. And then when you look at that, with the entire defense and, like, what our identity is right now. Nobody wants to play the New York Jets. I tell you that right now because receivers don't get open. Sauce Gardner is sticky in coverage. DJ Reed is sticky, tackles hard, jumps up, can make plays on the ball. Our safeties aren't making mistakes. Our defensive line has a bunch of big guys that come running after you, and maybe they don't win their matchups within the first one, two seconds, but they're coming down after you one way or another. Four or five seconds, you hold onto the ball. You've got giant John Franklin Myers, Carl Lawson, and Williams about to take your head off. Those are big dudes. Those aren't little speed rushers. They're powerful men. 
Then in the middle of the field, you've got some of the hardest-hitting linebackers in Quan Alexander and Quincy Williams. You've got the field general and C.J. Mosley. There's no safe place on the entire field for an offensive player when you're playing the Jets. Like, where are you going to go where you feel comfortable? You want to go by Quinn and Williams? Or Carl Lawson or JFM off the edge? Are you looking at the cornerbacks on the outside? Jordan Whitehead hits hard for a safety. It's a, it's a scary team to play. They play with violence. They play with pursuit. And it's awesome. we got a bunch of head knockers on this team. No one's safe. Jets defense is giving us an identity, regardless of what's happening with the offensive line, Zach Wilson, the running game, the passing game. It doesn't matter because that defense is keeping us in it. So that's the positives, and there's plenty of them, and there's more. Now we got to talk negatives, and there's a few of those as well. And it starts with the obvious one of Elijah Bear Tucker and Brees Hall's injuries. Those are like two of our most important players on the entire offense, a unit that's been struggling. When you look at this game and you see Brees Hall's performance, his third rush of the game, he gets a 62-yard touchdown, which was the only touchdown scored by the Jets in this game. And if it wasn't for that, it would have been a tie game. And only because the Broncos missed an extra point. So, like, the offense has been generated by him. Elijah Vera Tucker has also saved our butts in so many situations when we lost Dwayne Brown and Max Mitchell and had to move guys and put Nate Herbig in because he was an improvement. It's just been a nice season for both of those guys, both set probably for all pro seasons. Like I said, I think that Brees Hall was already the best running back in the league, probably would have won guaranteed offensive rookie of the year, would have been in the fight for uh, offensive player of the year if the Jets ended up making it to the playoffs behind like what he was on pace for, 1,700 scrimmage yards and you know 15 touchdowns. Yeah, absolutely. He would have been in the conversation for offensive player of the year. And to lose those two guys, that's super negative, and that sucks. Also, Zach Wilson's really stinking. We talked about his timely offense where he's able to get some stuff going in the fourth quarter a couple times, able to get some stuff going before the half. But in reality, like he's played 17 full games now. He's played a, like a pseudo season, and he's got 10 total career passing touchdowns. He's never had a passing rating over 100. The guy's throwing for like 120 yards a game right now. Some of his throws and stuff are, are off time. And he's under pressure a lot, but it seems like he's getting flustered and spending more of his time trying to dodge defenders and do little spin whirly whirly-do's around the field and stuff and then throw the ball out of bounds, not really making much of those plays. I know his numbers when he's not under pressure are way better than when he is under pressure, but we have to like eventually just accept the fact that we're going to be under pressure sometimes this year, especially without Elijah Vera Tucker on the field now with the injuries and stuff that we have. Guys are going to get after him. A lot of good pass rushers in the league. He's got to find a way to get the ball downfield. One, two, three, throw. Um, I just need to see more from him. I need to see more consistency. We haven't really in his whole career seen a great game from him. I think his best game was the Titans game last year, and he made like two or three really incredible passes that came off script, not planned. And you take that away, it's not like he's having a 300-yard game where he's throwing three touchdowns and checking it down and hitting the right guys at the right times. You know, even Mike White's game from last year against the Bengals, even though he threw nothing downfield, it was still a better game than we've ever seen from Zach Wilson. Joe Flacco's had some games that are probably better than we've seen from Zach Wilson. And eventually we're going to have to see it now. He hasn't had any turnovers. He's not fumbling the ball. Hasn't fumbled the ball yet this year. He's got two interceptions. He's not getting sacked. He was close. He's been, he's been really close. He could easily have like four or five. And I know I'm the bad guy right now, and everyone's like, how could you possibly be complaining about Zach Wilson right now when the team is five and two? Like, Jets fans are always looking about looking for something to complain about, and it's like, that is not what this is. I'm not looking for something to complain about. This is a podcast that's based on, like, the Joe Douglas vision and the growth of the team. 
and to just ignore everything because we have a record and just say everything's fine. That's like what bad teams do and what sets them in holes for years when they just say, well, we won games, so let's just do it again. We won with Ryan Fitzpatrick, so let's just go back again and give him another contract. Like, that doesn't help you. You need to actually analyze the team regardless of what your final record is. You can't have rose-colored glasses on, and Zach Wilson's not playing well enough right now. The pass rush has also been inconsistent, and that's a bummer. So three negatives. Getting away from that, if we talk the overall state of this New York Jets team and how I feel about the whole thing, right now, with the injuries and the adversity that we're facing with Elijah Moore and everything, this is where we find out about this year's New York Jets. This is when we find out all about Zach Wilson and what he can do, because Moore is going on to his shoulders than ever, right? He's been put in a position to succeed better than we ever had for Sam Darnold, for Bryce Petty, Christian Hackenberg, Geno Smith. It's been since Mark Sanchez since we had a quarterback that was put in a position to succeed like this. And it falls on him. At the end of the day, like, we're not going to be able to sit back and say, well, he didn't have the guys around him. Well, Joe Douglas needs to invest in X to make it easier for him. He's got it around him. He's in one of those positions that you'd want to be in as a rookie quarterback. Second overall picks are never put into great situations. And Zach is kind of in one. So he's got to take advantage of it. The positives there is, like, meanwhile, he's in the middle of a winning season where he can actually be surrounded by encouragement, support. There's not a ton of negativity. He can feel good about what he's doing. He can look at wins and say, okay, this is what's working, and I can feel positive reinforcement and positivity towards the season and everything. So I think that's really important for him. And at the same time, the defense keeps getting better. The coaching keeps getting better. We've got a GM that's trying to build this team to win this year. He believes in this team 100%. Robert Sala believes in this team 100%. You can tell the players believe 100%. And I believe in this team 100%. This team freaking rocks. I don't care about a couple individual performances here and there. The Jets are going to find a way to make it work because right now we're seeing they're built for the long term. And they'll figure it out at quarterback if they have to. Maybe they have the answer. A lot of season to go. They're freaking 5-2 and two on a four-game winning streak. Zach Wilson is 4-0. and oh. That's a real stat. He's not turning the ball over. He's not getting sacked. So feeling good about this team. Can't be upset about the direction of the Jets in the slightest. And now when you think about like what's going to happen in 2023 with Brees Hall coming back and ABT and stuff, like we're even better in, in 2023 than this year. We already can look forward to like whatever happens this year will be nothing compared to when we have those studs back on the field. So a lot of positivity around this team. Obviously, these next three games are like the test. Like It, it feels like every game has been a test, but these next three are huge. And if we can just minimize the amount of flags we saw last weekend, that would be dope. I don't know what it is like. I don't know. It just feels like I know we're biased. Like the refs are against us and stuff. Like what the hell's going on? I felt like they wanted Aaron Rodgers to win when we were playing them. I feel like this week, like they're just looking for anything the Jets are doing wrong. Maybe we're more undisciplined than other teams. But But doesn't that say so much about this team that like we're overcoming all those flags? They're actually throwing that many flags and somehow the Jets are winning. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're you're right. And, I mean, the amount of interceptions the Bears had on Monday night, we we at least, we need to score. Like, it's time for the Jets defense. Pick six. One, one of these games against the Pats needs to happen. Okay, yeah, I mean, when you think about the offense, yeah, it does kind of have to happen. Like, where else is it going to come from? Like, Zach Wilson throwing the ball. I mean, he's thrown one touchdown in four games. We're not really looking for it there. You're looking at the running attack, and it's been five touchdowns for Brees Hall. And uh, not really seeing a ton. <laughs> no, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. People will pick each other up. That's the thing about this team. we got resolve. we got resiliency. So that's my thoughts on the New York Jets and where we're at right now. 
But now we have to take a quick pit stop at my dad's thoughts to see what he thinks in this week's Father Time. And you know Dave Burnham's got some thoughts on the New York Jets. This is this week's Father Time, written by my dad, titled, It Has to Be Said. Aaron Rodgers became well acquainted with Quinn and Williams a couple weeks ago. He led the Jets' defensive front to a victory that was unexpected in Lambeau Field. Quinnen, JFM, Sheldon, and the rest were largely responsible for the win and the domination of Aaron Rodgers. They were the stars of the game. Turn the page to Denver, where the Jets have been horrendously bad, and we have an entirely different set of circumstances, but the same outcome. The back seven, specifically the secondary, and even more specifically our cornerbacks, were dominant. Sauce had three PDs, passes defensed. He had nine tackles. DJ Reed also had pass pass deflections and seven tackles. Among many good Jets, they were the stars for last week. So who's going to be the star next week? Who will be the force on Blackout Sunday? We lost some of our most talented young offensive players, and we need new stars more than ever. I'm certain that new names will rise because that's the way this Jets team is, and really the only way this team will continue to be successful. Bill asterisk Belichick still has to pay the bill for dropping 54 on our Jets last year. He decided to rub it in and be nasty. Well, guess who's nasty now? 22 Jets are nasty. We've seen it. And Robert Sala is holding the receipt. I want our Jets to beat the stuffing out of the Patriots. No mercy. And then go to Foxborough after the bye week and do it again. Even worse in front of their spoiled fans. I'm sick and tired of losing to this team. I want to bury the Patriots twice. I don't like this team, and we need to begin a decade of Patriot domination starting this Sunday. Go Jets. End scene. Whoa. Talk about a rare emotional father time from my dad here. Usually he's pretty analytical on these things, and he's talking like, you know what? The time is now. We're 5-2. and two. The Patriots are a wounded animal. All sorts of issues going on over there. And so many times we'd look at it and be like, well, the Patriots have our number. They always make it really difficult. But I watched that team on Monday Night Football, and the Jets can beat them. This Jets team is really good, and they can make life very, very difficult for Bill Belichick. We can have that entire fan base melting down, losing to the goddamn Jets. Can you imagine as they go to 3-5, and five, basically a fork in their freaking season, and the Jets are 6-2, and two, looking at the Buffalo Bills saying, who wants it? Oh, man, my dad is absolutely right. Bill Belichick is failing the 2022 New England Patriots, and this is our chance to do it. And he was rude against us so many times in the past. He was rude last year, scoring 54 points. Brian Hoyer came in with under four minutes to go, up 47 to what, like 13 against the Jets last year, and he threw for 80 yards in the final three minutes of the game, scoring another touchdown just to win by even more. That is like the utmost disrespect as we watch the Chicago Bears take a knee on the one-yard line against them, just saying like, oh, fourth down, we could score against you, but we're not going to be disrespectful. That man is the epitome of disrespect within the NFL, shadiness, deception, and to beat them would be amazing. My dad is absolutely right. I also love what he said about the uh, defense because it's being led by different people, right? The team is being led by the defense right now, and one week it's the defensive line, absolutely crushing Aaron Rodgers, coming after him from so many different angles. And then you play against the Denver Broncos, and I know it's the Ripper, Brett Rippon, and it's not uh, you know like you're playing Russell Wilson or like a legitimate veteran quarterback, but the Jets' cornerbacks played so freaking well and dominated their matchups. And even if the balls were thrown perfectly, and in some situations they were, the coverage was so sticky, to see them be able to hold up an entire game, to see the defensive front be able to hold up an entire game, you're seeing so many different groups and units carry this team. And when push comes to shove, like it's not just, hey, stop this and you can beat the Jets. Hey, beat the front and you beat the Jets. 
there's a lot of different things going on in this team, and that's what makes us so good, and that's why he said this team is going to continue to be successful. So an awesome father time by my dad, David. Love it. Before we go to the next section, we do have to take a quick commercial break. Alrighty, and welcome back to This is the Jet Life. We are going to do a quick AFC East check-in. The Bills are still in first. They were on bye this week. They retain their first place spot, 5-1. and one. They're home next week against the 3-4 and four Green Bay Packers on Sunday Night Football. Jets are firmly in that second spot with a full game and tiebreaker over Miami. They're 5-2 and two after beating the Broncos 16-9 in Denver. The team is 4-0 on the road. Zach is 4-0 in his starts. And next game is going to be home 1 p.m. versus the 3-4 and four Patriots. The Dolphins snuck out a Sunday Night Football win versus the 2-5 and five Pittsburgh Steelers. Now they're 4-3. and three. Two was back. Their next game is going to be against Detroit, 1 p.m. Um, Detroit is 1-5. and five. Not very good. The Patriots are still dead last in the basement of the AFC East. Feels great to say that week after week. They're 3-4 and four now, getting destroyed by the Chicago Bears in Foxborough on Monday Night Football in front of everyone when Bill Belichick has an opportunity to beat a record of, of uh, George Hallis, and that was very cool. Next week, they play uh, one of the league's very best teams, the New York Jets, 1 p.m. at MetLife. Jets are 5-2. and Got to win that game. That's going to be huge if they can. So we're seeing it kind of where it's been. It hasn't changed too much. It's Bills, Jets, Dolphins, Patriots, and we've got that full game and the tiebreaker over the Dolphins. Feeling pretty good, but they really do have to beat the Patriots here. Even if they don't beat the Bills following week, which may not happen, beat the Patriots. They should be able to do that. Man, I'm nervous for it. They're in an absolute identity crisis, you know. They you hope so. so. Yeah. But that's when, like, they just get you. I don't know. I'm still so fearful. I'm, like, shell-shocked from, from all the years of abuse and stuff. It was, like, age 10 to 30. It was just awful. And it's like, man, I know I should feel like, but every time I've ever felt like that, it hurts me. And so Now we got to talk about the offense and how it performed against the Denver Broncos in their 16-9 to win. And... It wasn't super pretty, right? They relied on a conservative play call and running game. Um, but it's getting better later in the game, their offense. The fourth quarter, we're seeing it because they're running the ball a lot. They're doing some tricky plays and things, wearing down a defense. And in this four-game winning streak, they mostly are leading the games. They're able to run. They're not forced into uh, trying to force points and get things artificially manufactured. They're just playing their game just like they have been. And they found success late in the game. You talk about quarterback, Zach Wilson, there's a lot of debate about him. We talked about how he's playing better in crunch time, and that's great to see. He's not turning the ball over. Two turnovers total. Um, no fumbles. He's played four games, so not even one turnover per game. Half per game. Those are great numbers. He's played great defenses. He's also only been sacked eight times in four games. That's two sacks per game. That would be 34 in a year, which is below the median number that we look for of 40. So that would be really good if he could do that. And again, we're playing great defenses. He's able to limit that number by escaping pressure. So those things are great. He's only got the one TD pass. He looks lost and frantic. His accuracy is hit or miss. He's missing some wide open throws here and there. Um, he's had some negatives, but the Jets are winning. He's 4-0. He's finding a way to keep the Jets in the game, and he's allowing everybody else to do their job because it isn't about him. This isn't Zach Wilson's team, and he's leading them to victory. It's just like... Let's win in spite of you, which is kind of what we did with Mark Sanchez, and they made two AFC championship games, and they could have won a freaking Super Bowl with that team. Obviously, if Mark Sanchez was a little bit better, they would have, but it's the same sort of situation, and 
that's okay. Those were fun years. I don't look back on 2009 and 2010 with regret. Those were fun years. Running back, Brees Hall was the best running back that we've seen in so long. He was our offensive player of the game. Only carried the ball four times, but 72 yards. He had a touchdown. He had a 62-yard run, the only touchdown of the game for the Jets on his third carry of the game. And he's the freaking man. He's going to be getting his fourth offensive player of the game through seven games. That's going to be the end for him for this year as he finishes the season with 463 rushing yards on 5.8 yards per attempt. With this offensive line in shambles, going through so many freaking changes, 5.8 yards per attempt. When every single team knows the point of the Jets without Zach Wilson performing is to get the ball to Brees Hall and the running backs. How does he do it behind that O-line? By being insane. He had 218 receiving yards, five total touchdowns, 681 scrimmage yards in just six and a half games. And he's going to be so missed, and I can't wait to get him back next year and hope that he's 100% recovered because he is hes the driving force of this offense. Now it's on James Robinson, Michael Carter, and I like those guys, and I feel good about having them back there. But, man, that home run ability is missing, and it's going to be missed. Michael Carter's been kind of inefficient running the ball this year, not a great yards per carry. Um, not really that workhorse back, which explains the trade for James Robinson. In this game, he had 13 carries, 2.2 yards per carry, which is not what you're looking for. But he had 45 receiving yards. He can block decently well. He's a great teammate. And, uh, you know, those 45 yards were considering what the offense did in the passing game and stuff, like 121 passing yards, and he gets 45 of them on two two receptions. He is still a weapon back there. And now you're going to pair him with, you know, Ty Johnson had two touches. So this week, maybe you'll see a little bit more Ty Johnson. Uh, Bam Knight was pushed into the active roster. He may get some opportunity as James Robinson gets up to speed. But as everybody's healthy now, it's going to be Michael Carter and James Robinson is the one too. And it's going to go to Ty Johnson. And they'll see whether they want to keep Bam Knight on the active roster, take somebody else off, or push him back down to the practice squad. I'm hoping James Robinson's good to go on this Sunday. I'd like to know if James Robinson can throw the ball a little bit. Little sneak play. I don't know. Maybe they know more than us. Maybe Joe Douglas knows a little bit more than us. Curtis Martin did a couple of those, a couple uh running back passes that were sick. And that's the type of stuff that this offense needs. And but. to your point about Brace, I'm gonna miss the nicknames the most. Brace Lightning. Brace the Beast. Brace everything. The beast. Yep. I know. We'll have a lot of a lot of time to think about new ones for next year, that's absolutely for sure. And he's gonna go in like He's going to be like a top five fantasy running back or fantasy player like next year. A super sold jersey and all this stuff. It's just, his story was just beginning. This is just a small chunk, as Michael Carter said. But, man, if we could have seen it play out and how it would have ended, it would have been freaking awesome. And now we're robbed of that opportunity. We got other players still. We got wide receivers. Who in this game had 13 targets, 121 yards. There's nothing here. Hence, Elijah Moore's frustration. There's not a lot of passing yards. Corey Davis was targeted once. Then he had to leave for an injury. He's day-to-day right now. We need him back because he is our most productive offensive passing weapon. Elijah Moore, inactive for this game, as we know. Garrett Wilson led the receivers. He had four catches on five targets, but only 24 yards. One of those was a nice play. It was like a two-yard little dump off on a screen pass. He ran for 12 yards, did a little nifty move, got a first down. That was good to see. We're going to need more of that stuff. Then your dark horse offensive weapon, Braxton Berrios, who always finds a way to, like, in every Jets win, it feels like he picks up one or two huge plays or first downs or special teams plays. In this game, 
He had three receptions for 15 yards, but he had two rushes for 27 yards. One of those was a 24-yarder that pushed the Jets up the field, a big chunk play that they desperately, desperately needed. And uh, I'm very pleased to have Braxton Berrios on this team. Yeah, you can see his chemistry with Zach. Like, that's they have the most chemistry. And you're not going to love what I'm about to say, but he reminds me of Edelman. He A bit. Yeah. Yeah. Not really a good way to say that, but I know. But he, I think he's going to be just phenomenal. Just hopefully, everyone stays healthy. Yep, that's going to be the big thing here because we can't take any more blows. Really, you know, Elijah Moore's already an issue well enough. We gotta, we gotta get through this thing. We saw um, Denzel Mims getting his first action of the year. He was active this game, had his first reception for four yards. Big moment for him was that big old block on the Brees Hall touchdown run. He had a nice block downfield that was. Freaking awesome. I think that was on uh, K1 Williams, and he just engaged him like 15 yards downfield, drove him back five. Brees Hall went right by. That's all she wrote. Jeff Smith. We were told that Jeff Smith was going to be more involved in the offense than Denzel Mims. I saw the opposite. Denzel Mims was out there more, making his presence felt a little bit. Jeff Smith, really quiet day. Tight ends. They had five receptions on eight targets, 27 yards. They had four receptions for Tyler Conklin, 22 yards. CJ Uzama had one for five. Until... The passing attack starts coming alive and Zach Wilson starts getting stuff done. We're not going to have any good passing numbers for any of these guys. There's no great performance out there to be had. There's no, you know, Garrett Wilson winning offensive player of the week like it was. Unless it's all yards after catch, which I guess is possible. Um, But that's all going to have to be schemed up, and that's all on Mike LaFleur. Last little tight end note, Yaboa's playing over Rucker the last two weeks. Rucker has been inactive. Yaboa on the active roster. And being told it's because he's a special teams beast. Yaboa apparently brings more to special teams at this point in his career, so he's the guy that's out there. Very minimal involvement in the game otherwise, though. Looking at the offensive line, the running backs had, or the running game, had 155 rushing yards on 5.4 yards per carry. 6.5 yards per carry. Six and a half. That's a really good number. They only allowed three sacks. That said, there were some horrible penalties in this game. Nate Herbig had one or two. Dwayne Brown had a few. Lake and Tomlinson looked clueless and lost on a couple plays. I think McGovern played solid. ABT obviously played solid. And then when ABT went out, Cedric Ogbui came out and uh, played like 23 snaps and only allowed one pressure. So I was actually pretty impressed with the game that he put out there. Um, that said, he probably won't be the long-term option at right tackle since we're going to have options with George Fant, Max Mitchell, Maybe Mike Remmers if he gets up to speed. Um, so there's definitely some flexibility there moving forward when those guys are healthy. But we're told right now that Fant probably won't be healthy this week. I don't think Max Mitchell will be healthy this week. So it probably will be Cedric followed by Mike Remmers behind him. Um, they were talking about there were some rumors the Jets could be going after a big-name tackle, a Laramie Tunsil or uh, a Jack Conklin of the Browns. I don't think the Jets should do that because I think with the guys coming back, I think they were originally going to go into the season with, like, it was going to be Fant and Mitchell or then Dwayne Brown and Mitchell, like, whatever it was going to be. They were accepting those guys then, and I think they've all played pretty well. Maybe not Fant, but you expect more from him. I think they can make it work with this group as long as they get healthy and stay healthy. I think they've got enough pieces to kind of switch around. And now seeing Cedric Ogbui be uh, okay, yeah, I think they got a chance there. Then we look at the defensive side of the ball. The coverage has been great on the outside. On the inside, we have some awesome pursuit angles, tackling, aggression. So this defense is like right where you want it. It's fast and hitting hard in the middle. It's super close and tight on the outside. And 
it's feeling good, and we're seeing great results from it. This Jets defense continues to move into the top half of the league. I mean, we came into the season like, I specifically, I, you know, I had high expectations for Sauce Gardner and stuff, but I still was like, man, we're going to get beat up in that soft zone as we always do. And here we are, moving, rising in the ranks on defense every single week, feeling pretty good. We started the defensive line. We only gave up 105 rushing yards on 28 carries. That's 3.8 yards per attempt. They only had one touchdown. Their long in the game was 15 yards. So decent output there. Going after Brett Rippon, trying to get pressure on him, it wasn't the same as against Skylar Thompson and Aaron Rodgers. And I thought that we'd be able to exploit that Broncos offensive line a little bit, specifically with like Garrett Bowles being out. But unfortunately, the guys were really, really quiet. I saw you you said a couple episodes ago, you know, obviously Sauce can't put his body out there too much, but I saw him definitely putting his body out more this past this past game and I want to see that replay again in slow motion. He almost had a pick at at the in the end zone. Yeah. I know when it like and he almost tipped it again to himself and I was it freaking Charles Davis or someone is like that has to be an interception or something. It's like, dude, that does not have to be an interception. He broke it up with perfect coverage. Like no, I can't agree more. I was hoping to see more of, like, Quinn and Williams, like, just more expose the ripper, ripping. I know. But, yeah, it is what it is. So you got the W. We got the W, so you can't complain too much, but you would think that, like, playing the ripper, you'd be able to absolutely put on some flashy performances. It took us a long time to get an interception in this game. Should have had two. It took us a long time to get a sack in this game. There was a point, it was like, we're sitting there, me, roommate, Kyle, and dad, and we're just watching the game, and I'm like, is Carl Lawson playing? I haven't seen him once this entire game. And on the very next snap, Bryce Huff and Carl uh, Lawson combined for a sack. The only sack of the day for the Jets. They both get a half sack for that, so Carl Lawson's up to three now. Not what we're looking for from him, but he has made his impact felt in a lot of games. It just was really quiet in this one. It was quiet from most of those defensive linemen as well. Um, we saw them all. You know, Vinny Curry made a play, and Michael Clemens made a play, and John Franklin Myers made a play or two. Quinnen Williams, he had the best game of that defensive line. Go figure. He had uh, he led the group in tackles. He had two quarterback hits, which was the most of anybody on the team as well. He also had a pass deflection, which led to the interception. So you're very happy with Quinnen Williams' game. It just wasn't like you know, he didn't dominate like last week, and nobody on that D-line dominated. But we'll see more hopefully next week against the Patriots. They'll come back. We know they're good for it. We've seen it enough this year to know that that defense – that defensive line, no, they're not going to do it every single week. It's inconsistent. But, man, when they get going, they get going. Side comment, obviously I'm biased, but Mosley's bobble, I thought that was an interception, but they, they rolled it, took it back. That was sad to see. That was an interception. I, I couldn't see an angle. They showed the same angle like five times, and I could see how they would like be worried about hitting the ground, but I couldn't see an angle that actually showed it hitting the ground, and our defensive captain should have had the game-sealing interception there. That was a bummer, um, but CJ was awesome again this week. This was the first week it, it feels like uh, in forever that he didn't lead the team in tackles. He didn't actually have the most in the team, believe it or not. He had eight, but he was running dudes down. He was ripping through blocks. He had that game-winning interception. He looked good. Quincy and Quan did their thing, tackling well, high pursuit. So that linebacker group continues to set the tone for the defense, just bringing that anger, that passion, that aggression, and uh, – Keeping the Jets in the game, like what I saw from that group, no complaints really there. You talk about the cornerbacks. Um, the cornerback game was pretty interesting here. 
Their wide receivers of the Broncos only got 137 receiving yards on 25 targets, which is very inefficient. They're playing the Ripper, though. But what they did with the Broncos is they got a lot of passes out wide. They decided to do a lot of screen passes, short thinking dunks, and go out wide and try to avoid the C.J. Mosley, Quincy, Quan, and defensive line and put it all on the tackling of Sauce Gardner, which has been suspect this year. And I've said, like, listen, he's not the guy you want tackling. And every time he tackles with that frame that he's got, I think that he's going to just break into a million pieces, and that's going to be the worst for our team. But he's been able to do it. And between him and D.J. Reed, they both were number one and number two on the team in tackles this week. Sauce led the team in tackles with nine tackles. I mean, you were spot on, Kate, and you were like, yeah, he was getting his head kind of in there. He led the team in tackles, followed by DJ Reed on the other side with seven tackles. We had 16 tackles between the two cornerbacks. I mean, it was uh, it was pretty crazy to see that. And they were tested out there, and I think that to see teams try to beat the Jets at the middle – to try to beat them in the middle uh, against the linebackers, to try to beat the safeties this week, trying to go outside. We've seen teams do different things to try to beat this Jets defense to be like, what's the secret? Do we go outside? Do we make sauce tackle? Is that how we beat them? It's like, you could try. These wide receivers are no slouches either. It's Jerry, Judy, Cortland Sutton, KJ Hamler. I mean, these are some weapons. And, uh, yeah, they both played so well. Sauce continues to get past deflections. DJ Reed, too. They are both so good. Perfect coverage all the time. I don't care about Tiki Tech. Almost it could be pass interference on Sauce Gardner. The guy is playing perfect defense. And if you remember Darrell Rodriguez, best cornerback to ever play the game, he covered people, shut them out, and he would keep his hand on you and stay really close. But when you're in perfect coverage, step for step with a guy, not changing his progress, you can keep your hand on him. You can be right there. Maybe they can't see that you're grabbing. But until that guy is actually like affected by the contact, you're not doing anything wrong. You're just like right there. Maybe you're just lightly touching him. They can't tell if you're grabbing or not. And you look on replay and you say, look on the replay. Oh, you can see. Like, Come on. They're not going to call that. That's perfect coverage. And <laughs> in live game action, if you start calling that stuff, that would be a real travesty to a guy who's playing perfect. Um, I also think it's funny to think about the fact that it was preseason and I'm saying to myself, like, Sauce Gardner needs to earn the nickname Sauce. And Carl Lawson says that we can't just call him Sauce Gardner until he gets that nickname. And it's like, you think back on it, he doesn't have that pick six, he doesn't have that huge play, but like, has he ever not been amazing? In any single snap since he's been out there, has he not been amazing? He was Sauce the first snap all through now. He never wasn't it. And off the field. I know. Call your dad, Johnny. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. It's It's a good time. And you talk about Michael Carter, too. He's still rocking the slot. Made some really big tackles. They all made some big tackles to set up third and ones, fourth and ones, get off the field. It's what you need from those cornerbacks in a game like this. The safety play continues to be great. The last few weeks, it's like it's not a fluke. They're not giving up big plays deep. There's no miscommunications. Jordan Whitehead is still making great tackles. Almost had another game-sealing interception on the very last play of the game. Had a pass deflection there. And then... LaMarcus Joyner has another interception in this game. And he's got three interceptions on the season now. He's tied for third in the entire NFL in interceptions. And he was a guy that we were having so many issues with week one, two. It was like, he may have to go. He's going to be the problem. We may have to put in an Ashton Davis or a Tony Adams. Like, no chance. LaMarcus Joyner right now is earning his roster spot. Absolutely needs to remain out there as a starter. We're getting good play from LaMarcus Joyner, from Jordan Whitehead, from the whole defense. I love this team. Now, 
Before we go over to the special teams and Patriots preview, we do have to take a quick pit stop at the cooler for a little what's on tap. That is right. This is what's on tap. And today, if you're watching the live uh, video, you can see that I have a giant black box of Cabernet Sauvignon that I have been pouring into this cup for the entire podcast episode. Katie, I don't know if you know this already. Um, I've done boxed wine before in the past, and I always drink my wine out of a cup like this. It is extremely, like, stable. Anything stemmed that could fall over with red wine, horrible. Anything that's, like, even the stemless wine glasses that are th as thin as, like, tissue paper, and you feel like as you're washing them, you're just going to crush the whole thing as you try to get your hand in there, why would you not use a nice, sturdy, hearty glass? Who am I trying to impress with, like, a nice wine glass that's just going to get somebody hurt or make the wife angry at me for spilling this on the floor somewhere? Not anymore. Get one of these. You've seen these glasses before. These are, like, a, I don't know, standard, like, old. My parents had these same glasses. I don't know where we found them. We got the same ones here. It's just, like, short, stocky, heavy. They got a nice base down there. That's all glass. It's, like, half an inch of glass just to keep this thing from moving anywhere. Awesome. Do you only drink red wine? Because I only drink red wine. I drink white wine in the summer. This would be like a, I like Sauvignon Blanc the most, like an oyster based, something pretty citrusy. But when it gets to cold weather, I love going to a little bit of a, a red wine. Plus, plus I have sensitive teeth, so I don't like things that are cold or chilled, really. And when you're trying to do a wine chug, nothing works better than red wine. Facts. Yeah, I just, I'm a very dark person. I like black. I like dark wine. I don't really like the, the lighter wines, but how how is it? One out of ten. This is, for the price, I think it's like 22 bucks, and this is like the equivalent of three, four, seven, fifty bottles of wine. If it's 22 bucks, it's like five, six bottles, or five, six dollars a bottle. And the best thing about this is like, you just keep it on the counter. You don't even know how much you're drinking. You're just doing drive-bys. You're going through like, I'll do another little pour right now. I'm on my first glass, basically, still. Another little pour. Like, you don't do a full pour like that, so it's just... My grandmother's trick was you keep your wine, and then when it gets down to, like, 25% full, you ask for a top-off, and you just keep doing that throughout the day, and you're always on your first glass of wine. She's always like, oh, I'm on my first glass. Like, Grammy, you've been topped off, like, four times so far. You're not on your first glass anymore. So that's the beauty of the box of wine. I love the black box for the price. Can't beat it. Say what you want about Franzia or other boxed wines that suck. This is not one of them. Have you had this one? Try it. Try this cab solve and tell me that you don't love just having an open box just at the disposal all the time. Anything. You're on the phone with your mom. Boom. You're pouring a glass of wine. No problem. You're on your way to work. You're pouring yourself a glass. I'm just kidding. But you're doing a podcast. You're just pouring them up. So life is good. That is the Black Box Cabernet Sauvignon. That is what's on tap today. And that's it for what's on tap. Now we have to take a quick commercial break. Alrighty, and welcome back to This Is The Jet Life. We talked offense, we talked defense against the Broncos, we got to talk special teams in the Jets' 16-9 to win, four-game winning streak, team is 5-2, and two. life is awesome, and the special teams is so good. Brant Boyer is on his third coaching staff with the New York Jets for a reason. He's the only guy that keeps getting retained, and Salah said it. He wasn't planning on keeping Brant Boyer, he had guys he wanted to bring into the role, but everyone was like, well, give Brant Boyer an interview because he's been good for this team, and I know that Adam Gase sucked, but Brant Boyer was good at his job. 
You had guys like Andre Roberts, Jason Myers. He's been bringing pro bowlers and all pros to this team for years, and he is still absolutely rocking. It's It doesn't get enough credit because the Jets' special teams is actually an advantage in every single game. I mean, it basically won the game against the Packers for us, right? Two blocked kicks, some good returns, some great punts and stuff. Like, this special teams unit, even if the kicker's not always 100% or the punter makes a mistake here and there, like, every team has things like that. There's enough good in there that it's an advantage over another team. And again, this week, it was an advantage over the Denver Broncos. And it was super, super evident when you watch the kicker, Greg Zerline, who's now kicking 86%, 86.7% on the season, which is a great number. He was 83% last week. He goes 3-for-3 three three this week, 1-for-1 one one on extra points. He wins our special teams player of the game yet again. And when you see the way that Brandon McManus is having issues kicking, the wind, the goalposts are wobbling back and forth, and you're like watching Brandon McManus miss his extra point stuff, you're like, man, this is a this is a tough environment to kick right now. And then Greg Zerline goes out there, drills everything, One of them, I think it was the second kick, actually started to the left, looked like it was going to miss wide left, and then with the wind, blew back into dead center, almost missed to the right. It was like he played the wind perfectly, and yeah, this unit is outplaying the people that it's going up against, and we're winning, you know, 16-9. to You need special teams performances like that. It's not talked about enough, but it's absolutely one of those things that's gotten the Jets this four-game winning streak. So props to Brant Boyer, props to this entire unit, Greg Zerline, Braden Mann, Braxton Berrios, Will Parks, Justin Hardy, Michael Clemens. There's just so many out there. Um, Braden Mann had a nice game. He had a couple uh, really nice punts. One of them stopped on the one-yard line. Again, Brandon Eccles down there. And Braden Eccles is becoming the perfect complement to Justin Hardy as a gunner because Justin Hardy isn't the fastest guy in the world, but he gets to the right spot. He makes like the smart, cognitive plays tackles well. He's the captain of the team. Brandon Eccles, a little bit more out of control, a little bit less, you know, intellectual about the position because he's not the captain and everything. But Brandon Eccles has 4-2-6, 40 speed. He's super fast. So he's been getting down there first. The job of the gunner, first guy is to make that punt returner do like a shimmy shake, like, okay, try to shrug him off, but keep him from moving forward so that your slightly slower, better tackling guys can get down there and make the play. And it's been working to perfection None of those great punts, Brandon Eccles is so fast that he can get down there and actually stop the ball on the one-yard line. Very cool. A lot of credit to him. Uh, Braden Mann also had a 72-yard punt in this game, which was very cool. Nice, very long punt. Braxton Berrios, there were three kickoffs from the Broncos. There were six punts, no returns. But in a windy game like that with swirly winds in Denver, I don't need him returning it. I just need him catching it, getting the ball where it's supposed to be. There were no blatant, egregious errors. There were no spots where it was like, man, he should return that thing. Perfect. Let it go. But he had no return, so very minimal impact from him. We will see. Uh, I have a feeling. I have a very strong feeling that Braxton Barrios is scoring a touchdown wearing all black against the Patriots. And it may happen on special teams. I'm starting to sound like you, like a super, like I have this feeling. I don't know. I get this vision of Braxton Barrios, like a punt return touchdown or kick return touchdown. As long I haven't seen the weather for Sunday, that might be a big factor. Yeah. Uh, but I I can't agree more. But it's almost sometimes it's like he's playing too good. But he didn't have a touchdown against the Broncos, right? Uh, no, he didn't this week. No, he had the twenty. He had the he had forty-two uh, scrimmage yards, and he was an impact player. And he got 
when the offense was minimal. He got the stuff moving, so he's always good. But, like, he is due for that, like, big special teams play or something. And the Patriots caught him two, three years ago for Gunnar Osheski. They took him over him. And then they've since moved on from Gunnar Osheski as well. And now they're scrambling, trying to find their special teams guy. Meanwhile, Braxton Barrios is winning all pro and, like, one of our favorite people. So... Just another example of the Jets besting the Patriots and Bill Belichick one step ahead. Is that the new norm? Let's uh, let's keep that storyline going next week, huh? So that is our special teams. And now the last order of business really is to talk about that Patriots game, that preview of what's coming up. And uh, it's a big one. It's always big when you play the Patriots. It's always big when you play in division. It's big when you're on a four-game winning streak trying to put a fork in another team. The Jets uh, are playing the 3-4 and four Patriots in MetLife Stadium this Sunday, 1 p.m. Jets are 5-2. and two. As we mentioned a bunch of times, I won't stop saying it because I never get to say it. Four-game winning streak. Uh, this CBS call is going to be Ian Eagle and Charles Davis. It's the same group that did it this week, and Ian Eagle is elite. He's one in a million. He is awesome. Ian Eagle is a great football announcer. He's a great Jets announcer. Charles Davis is the worst. He's not the worst because he's not like an idiot or a buffoon, but he's so robotic and boring and says things that you're just like, Ugh. and his cadence is, you watch Parks and Rec, he reminds me of Perd Happily, the way he always talks like the announcer guy who's just like, and now we're back to you with the story, Leslie No. That's like Charles Davis always talks like the things are, he's like, he's just professionally, he doesn't know anything about football. He doesn't bring any insight or really smart intelligence to the game. You're like, wow, great point, Charles. He just speaks like a robot, and they're just like, well, he's not going to get us in any trouble. He's just going to do his job and get us to the end. He's not like Chris Spielman and Trent Green who have had 50 concussions and will say ridiculous. Think about like what Al Michaels is saying these days, and you're like, easy, Al, Al, no, slow down. Charles Davis isn't going to break any rules, but Jesus, man, that guy's a bore. No offense, Charles Davis. <laughs> he's never going to see this. The Jets are 1.5-point underdogs again. One-and-a-half-point underdogs to the Patriots. Every single week this year, the Jets have been underdogs. The Jets are 5-2, and two, one of the very best records in the entire NFL. I hope Vegas is losing money. They are absolutely losing money to me because I am betting on the Jets every single week. I got money in on the Patriots again. Because when I was watching last night, I put the bet in early. I'm like, oh, by the time I wake up tomorrow, the Jets will be favored. I got to get my bet in early. And again, I come in today, it's like one and a half, two and a half point favorites still favoring New England. And it's like, what are they watching? I think I'm making one single uh, game parlay. And that is the Jets win and the defense scores. Just something light, just a little light, like bet five, win 20 type thing. (laughs) Nothing crazy. The defense scores, you may win more than 20 in a $5 bet. But that would be... uh, Put on like a Braxton Burial special teams touchdown too. Just and win like a thousand. <laughs> but uh, they're underdogs every week. Whatever. Vegas can make their mistakes. It's fine. They also bet on the Giants to lose to the Jaguars. You said that last week that the Jaguars were three point favorites and everyone's just. So I did a parlay. I'm like, all right, we'll do Giants and Jets. And I put Chiefs in there too because the Chiefs are really good. I'm winning like 85 bucks on a $10 bet. And I just feel like. This is obvious right now. Unless you really disrespect the Jets and the Giants and just think that they're dog shit, even though they keep winning. Like, if you're just thinking to yourself, like, well, it's just a fluke again. Well, it's just a fluke again. Then I guess maybe. But how many games do you have to win? 
before. Like, if they win the Super Bowl, will they get any credit, or is it going to be like, ah? Maybe Vegas will watch the game this weekend. Maybe. That'd be nice. As long as the Jets win. We talk about the Patriots coaching. Bill Belichick is the head coach and the general manager. He is struggling with both positions right now. He is still the master of deception, spying, sneakery, mystery, all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, he's not drafting great players. He is not bringing in great free agents. He's not working around this quarterback situation that he's got right now since Tom Brady's left. There's a bunch of great stats on Twitter right now talking about his record outside of Tom Brady. And you talk about, like, the Cleveland Browns days. He was fired and he did a bad job there. You talk about before Tom Brady, a great quarterback in Drew Bledsoe. Bill Belichick was 5-13 and 13 as a head coach. You talk about after Tom Brady with guys like Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi, Cam Newton. Not a lot of success there, aside from, like, one decent playoff run. And uh, it's kind of chaos over there right now. The defense is the scary thing because they usually scheme really well. He always comes out with a great game plan. He knows what players to put in what positions. He finds the strengths of a guy, specifically on defense. And in my opinion, he's not a good GM. He's a solid head coach. He's an amazing defensive coordinator. And he finds these guys that just, like, fit a role. They can't do ten things, but they can do two things really well, and it's the exact two things that he needs them to do for these six plays that he needs to beat this one team. And it's like you never know what he's going to bring out. And you see all these people that get signed to other teams, like the most recent, J.C. Jackson, who was the big free agent signing. He played horribly for the Chargers. And the second he's gone and signs like an $18 million deal or whatever it is to the Chargers, goes over there. He's actually out for the season now, so bummer for him. But the Patriots put in just a Jones, and the guy plays almost just as well. If you look at his numbers, it's like he's picking up. Oh, now he's the league's best cornerback. And then Malcolm Butler was the league's and then. Logan, it's, none of these guys are good elsewhere. They're so good under the Patriot system, and it's because Bill Belichick puts them in a position to succeed. So defensively, that's why you're scared. The things he's done to Mark Sanchez, the things he's done to Sam Darnold, the things he's done to Zach Wilson, that's why you're scared. But when you see Justin Fields, who he should take advantage of, have the game that he had last night, you feel like, all right, maybe the times are changing. Maybe they don't have the horses to run with it. Maybe our coaching staff is smart enough now. It's not the Adam Gase group. It's not the Todd Bowles group. This is the Robert Sala, Michael Floor, Ulbrick group. Maybe they can do something against them. The offense is run by defensive coordinator and head coach, formerly Matt Patricia. The offense is run by the defensive coordinator. Doesn't make any sense. Um, maybe that's why it's struggling so much. The assistant and quarterback coach for the offense is former special teams coach and head coach of the Giants. Joe Judge. The defense is run by a couple of Belichicks and Gerard Mayo. So there's uh, Steve Belichick, and then the safeties coach is another Belichick. One's been there for 11 years. One's been there for seven years. And uh, Cam Accord is the special teams coach. I think the Jets have a huge advantage in coaching. I'm not impressed with Matt Patricia calling an offense. I'm not impressed with Joe Judge being the assistant. I'm not impressed with the Belichick boys in there. Sorry, just a chime in. Zappy hour. <laughs> Not impressed with that. Not impressed with the special teams. Cam Court, compared to what we have going on in our group, leaders. Yeah, I feel Jets advantage when it comes to coaching. Yeah, over real Belichick. Talking about that Patriots offense, currently on blast. Mac Jones versus Bailey Zappi. What is going on there? Mac Jones is 1-3. Bailey Zappi comes in as 2-0. Oh. Then last night happened, and we don't know who's going to start against the Jets. 
Not a huge deal who plays against the Jets, Bailey Zappi or Mac Jones. They're very similar types of quarterbacks. Mac Jones is a little better at scrambling and running. Bailey Zappi, more stand in the pocket, but takes more shots downfield and uh, maybe like a little bit more of a gunslinger mentality, I think. He knows when he's got good like one-on-one outside coverage and likes to take shots. When you talk about the Jets' cornerbacks and safeties and stuff, though, like I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried at all in the slightest about Devontae Parker running in a one-on-one coverage against Sauce Gardner. So put in Bailey Zappi. Mac Jones, he makes more mistakes, more blunders and boneheaded plays, but he can scramble a little bit. Put him in. Sure, we'll pick him off. We'll sack him. I'm not too worried about their offense. Their running backs, I mean, Ramondre Stevenson is good. Got to watch him out of the backfield catching the ball. He had eight catches this last Monday night football game, and uh, he's a pretty good hard runner as well. But our guys hit harder. Damian Harris, nice change of pace back. He's got a good skill set, can be used in both situations. But I like our guys again. Devontae Parker, Jacoby Myers, advantage Jets for sure. Nelson Aguilar still sucks. He's got two fumbles this year. Kendrick Bourne was inactive this past week. Not worried about Michael Carter, too, covering him. Tyquan Thornton is a rookie with great speed. Doesn't scare me. Their tight ends, that's the area where I feel like if you can get Quincy Williams in coverage, Quan, C.J. Mosley trying to cover Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith, maybe advantage Patriots there. But they haven't been super involved in this offense, and they don't have great chemistry with Bailey Zappi or Mac Jones. So why would I be thinking to myself, those guys are real threats right now. We've played better tight ends already this year. We can stop them. Their offensive line, Trent Brown struggled mightily. Cole Strange has been pretty good this year, but uh, David Andrews got a big blindside block by uh, former Jet Mike Pinnell, who is still playing in the league, now 31 years old. Interception by the Bears. Big old hit on David Andrews not looking. Knocked him out of the game. Last I saw, he was in concussion protocol. And if he's not able to play this week against the Jets, they may be playing with their backup center, James Ferentz. And if that happens... More advantage Jets. Backup center snapping to one of these young Mac Jones or Bailey Zappies and Quinn Williams and Sheldon Rankins bearing down on him the second it happens. You'd love to see it. They got right, uh, right guard Michael Onwenu, left guard Isaiah Wynn. I think advantage Jets there as well. So we should be able to beat that entire offensive unit when you look at it. Patriots are going to have some sneaky stuff going on. They're going to do what they can, but I think advantage Jets defense versus that offense 100%. Talk about the defense. Their best defensive lineman, Christian Barmore, was inactive this past week. If he's inactive again, that would be a very big help to the Jets. They also have Wise Guy and Gajo. That's Dietrich Wise, Lawrence Guy, and Gajo, but Wise Guy. Kind of fun, but we can beat those guys up. Uh, obviously, we have some changes on our offensive line. We're going to have to move a new right tackle in. It's going to be Cedric Ogbui, probably. But uh, the real guy you got to watch is Matthew Judon. Matthew Judon is a game wrecker coming from the Baltimore Ravens. He was a guy the Jets were looking at, and he has outperformed. He's the one free agent signing that Bill Belichick has made that is, like, absolutely the right one. He leads the league in sacks at 8.5. Game record, he had, like, two sacks last night, a tipped ball that became an interception. He's back there play after play, and I think the Jets have to try to keep a tight end in line. they got to try to keep a running back in the backfield to help block specifically Matthew Judon. Go the other way. Keep away from him on passing downs. I don't want to see him hitting Zach Wilson. Their DBs, they got a couple banged up safeties. We'll see how healthy they are. Still have the leader in the back, Devin McCourty. Um, he's getting old now, but he still leads the group. Then they have Jalen Mills and a bunch of Joneses. 
They got Jonathan Jones, Jack Jones, and Marcus Jones in their defensive backfield for their cornerbacks. So there's three Joneses. They are progressively worse. There's a best Jones. Jack Jones, I think, is the best right now. Really young. Jonathan Jones, pretty good. Marcus Jones, I mean, I get them confused, to be honest. We'll find out if we can beat up on the Joneses. Trying our best. It's still Zach Wilson against them, but not that scary of a defense. Schemes is what you worry about. And then Matthew Judon, and if Christian Barmar plays, the defensive line is pretty good. Like, that's the worry. I don't know. Special teams, advantage Jets, Nick Folk, Jake Bailey are the kickers. Greg Zerline's got a better kicking percentage than Nick Folk even. So, advantage Jets in the special teams, including the return game. Overall, the Jets have an opportunity to keep the streak alive, beat New England, give them their fifth loss of the season in eight weeks, keep the pressure on Bill Belichick, and create an absolute meltdown for the New England fan base. They can do that this week. They got to keep that quarterback uncomfortable. They got to stop the running backs for easy plays. They got to win the matchups up front. They got to send four. They got to send four guys up front and get after them. Maybe a sneak blitz here and there. Those cornerbacks have to keep balling out. If it's Bailey Zappi or Mac Jones, we saw a lot of tip ball at the line that create interceptions on the back end. We got playmakers who catch the ball. This isn't the old school Jets, Elijah Riley and and whoever else the Jets were rolling out there that aren't catching the tip balls. This is like they'll come down with it. Just get it in the air near a player. Watch the tight end dump offs as well. Jets have to rely on the ground game. Hopefully bring in James Robinson. They did a sprinkling of trick plays, preferably my guy Braxton Berrios, and then win that special teams battle yet again. This could be another sloppy game, but the Jets are getting good at that. I said against the Broncos, my prediction was uh, 19 to 13, Jets would win. It was slightly less scoring than that, but like I wasn't predicting a big fancy game from both teams, and that was before we even knew maybe if Ripper was going to play. This game, 19-13, to 13. I think the Jets can do better than that. So far, I think both of us have had like one part right, but I, I can't wait to see who gets both right. So what's your prediction? 27-13. 27-13. You, you already obviously. said that? <laughs> oh, I didn't say that. 27-13. Okay, I'm going to go 21-7. Close game. I don't even – I don't want to freaking I, – I don't want to like put bad juju in the world by saying like 38-12. to 12 because that would just never happen. But like, that's what I need to happen. I feel like I just like, I don't care if it's 27 to 13, then that means they're taking some shots at the end of the game, trying to make something happen. And we're probably picking the ball off. And I don't want to just like, you know, Robert Sal is a respectful guy. He's not going to be Bill Belichick and just run up the score. He's not going to do it. But if he would, and just say like, you know what? I'm respectful to everybody, but F you, you've been mean to this fan base and they deserve better. I think my prediction is if we get, like, exactly what we got the last couple of weeks. Because I, I, w- I want to win. Of course, I think we will win. I just, that fantasy, that, that if we, I'm giving you the logical. I'm thinking 21-17. I gotcha. But I would love a 30. I would love a big summer blowout, a big fall blowout. Let's go. 27-13 would be nice. That's what I got. I think Elijah Moore will be a big part of it. And I think the, the uh, Patriots fan base will be an absolute wreck. They're already a wreck. I implore you, anybody, to go onto Twitter and just find, like, the Patriots beat reporters who are writing things about the Patriots controversy or last night's game or, like, just any negative stat and then read the comments section 
everybody's saying Bill Belichick has to go. Enough is enough. This is crazy. I can't believe it. We've been put up too long. Time break. Like the stuff is a riot. I must have. I probably spent an hour just reading these comments. It's incredible. I didn't comment on any. Not going to add insult to injury. I'm way more respectful than Bill Belichick, but man, oh man. And he's miserable, but he's been extra miserable this week. So as he should be. Team is embarrassing. That was Monday Night Football against the Bears. We were all trying to like talk him up and like, oh, he's about to break a record. Look how great Bill Belichick is. And then we watched him get outcoached absolutely by Eberflus. Wee. So that's all we have for this podcast. I got the Jets winning this game. Let's hope Elijah Moore's back and a part of it. Let's hope the Jets are rocking and rolling. Maybe Sauce Gardner can lead the Jets to another rocking game. Uh, coming up, we're going to have audio only following Patriots and Bills. We'll see what we do during the bye week. But I think what we're going to do is we're going to start putting the audio only up on YouTube and just having that up, even if we're not doing a video podcast, just so that there's a whole collection of stuff there as well. So look for that. Uh, follow on YouTube. Rate, review, subscribe. Please really appreciate it. It would be awesome to get it at. This is The Jet Life on YouTube. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Tell two friends, whatever. Also listen, uh, you know, as you know, this is The Jet Life uh, series titled, no, Gangrene Nation podcast series title this is the jet life on twitter at jets underscore dan the wine is working thank you katie appreciate it always go jets it's a great treat to have you here especially on a winning streak you may be good luck thank you i try i try you got superstitions you bring them here and then the jets win it's like and i'm like always wearing all black so watch out (laughs) watch out this sunday watch out for the Halloween weekend game coming up All right, folks, that's all we got. We'll see you next week. I'm Dan Burnham, and this is The Jet Life.